1: Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today.
2: Your Ingrid Company would like to acknowledge and pay respects to the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation who are the traditional owners of this land. We pay our deepest respect to the elders, past and present, and to the next generation who we hope to create a different future for. The best career advice that you are not getting is to invest.
3: Hello and welcome to Your In Good Company's summer series. Over the six weeks of summer, we're delving into the investing conversations every millennial should have. We still hear our close friends and family say that they don't know how to start honest conversations about money, and it makes them feel like they're not in control of their financial future.
2: So this is our answer. Six conversations on the topics you wanted to hear.
3: This summer series is brought to you by Superhero. Superhero allows you to buy Aussie and US shares and ETFs with no monthly account fees. And you can now earn Qantas points with Superhero. Visit superhero.com.au forward slash Qantas to learn more. Eligibility criteria, terms and conditions, and fees and charges apply.
2: So Mads, the age-old question is always to buy or not to buy. Is this stock a good investment? Oh, Honestly, I think if someone had a golden answer for that, that'd they'd be, be rich. rich. <laughs> So rich. (laughs) Maybe we should make the golden answer. (laughs) More money to invest with. So I thought we should jump into today, like looking at some different ways to value companies. And I think when you start investing, you start to realize that there's lots of different types of companies. You know, you've got your big, old, stable companies, you've got your high growth tech companies, and all of them can kind of be measured with different types of metrics and different types of valuation methods.
3: Yeah, so today we really just wanted to give a couple of examples of some of the really basic metrics that you can use when looking at companies to sort of identify, along with all the other information that you're using, whether or not this company might actually be a
2: good investment. And just to note, you don't have to be, you know, all about the numbers. A lot of people aren't. This is just some of them that you could look at if you wanted to. So last episode you mentioned that one of the shares that you invest in is Macquarie Group. Can you run us through some of the steps you took to decide on that investment.
3: Yeah. So Macquarie is an Aussie bank. And I guess one of the things that I would note is that it's a little bit different from like the big four banks. It has a much broader offering. So it's also in renewables, it's in asset management, and it operates in
2: 33 markets all across the world. I often see the share price of Macquarie in the news a little bit, and it's been going up for a long time. So how do you value a company like Macquarie?
3: Yeah. Well, people often say that Macquarie is expensive and, oh, it's too expensive and yet it keeps going up. So I guess that's one thing to keep in mind is often you hear people say that and it might be true, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's still not a good investment. So one thing to note with Macquarie is that it's really well recognized for being quite a profitable company. So they actually have fifty-two years of unbroken profitability. Wow. <laughs> so one great metric that you can use to evaluate companies that are making a profit is return on equity or ROE.
2: That just sounds like a whole bunch of jargon. What is return on equity?
3: So ROE is a company's net income divided by shareholder equity.
2: You have just added even more jargon.
3: (laughs) All right. So let's break it down. Net income is how much money a company makes after deducting all of its expenses, tax, everything. Shareholder equity is the total amount that the owners of a company, i.e. the shareholders like you and me, have invested in a business. So let's say I have a lemonade store Mm -hmm. and my mom is an investor. Mom has invested $5 into my store. How lovely. So on a Saturday afternoon, it's a beautiful sunny day. My lemonade is super popular. It's delicious. And I made $30. My lemons, sugar, soda, that all cost me $5. So my net income is my $30 that I made. Minus my expenses, $25. Okay. I then divide it by my shareholder equity, five bucks from mum, <laughs> and times it by 100 to make it a percentage. So my ROE is
2: 500%. That sounds like a lot, 500% return. Look, it's not the most realistic example <laughs> <laughs> because normally the costs
3: associated, I guess, with a company would be higher than my $5 of lemon and sugar. But it, it paints a picture.
2: So you've set up this simple example and I can understand where you've gotten your $5 from and how you've made your profit. So what does that 500% actually mean or measure?
3: Yeah. So I guess ROE, if we go back to Macquarie Group, it tells us how efficiently a company is using its investments to generate an income. So
2: how efficiently you, you're using your $5 to generate a lemonade income. In this case, very efficiently. <laughs> So if this is a real life situation looking at Macquarie Group, where am I finding these figures?
3: Yeah, so I like to jump on Google and go to Yahoo Finance. I look up Macquarie Group and I flick to the tab that says statistics and then you find ROE currently at time of recording is 18.42%. So I guess the next question is, how do you know if that's a good ROE or not? And unfortunately, there's not really any right or wrong answer or you know target ROE. And I guess whether Macquarie's ROE is considered good or bad depends on what the normal number is in the industry, which in this case is financial services.
2: So I'm not going to compare it to Coles or Woolworths. I'm going to compare it to something like Combank.
3: Exactly. So you can Google the average ROE of banks or average ROE of the financial services sector, and you'll find that the industry average is around 14% for this one. So Macquarie's 18% is looking pretty good.
2: So with an ROE, we're looking for a higher percentage
3: than the average? Yeah, the higher the better because it basically just represents you're getting more bang for your buck. So for every dollar you get in, that's the percentage that you're getting back.
2: So I'm looking for those high ROEs. <laughs>
3: Something that you can keep in mind, and this number does change a little bit as time goes on, but generally uh, the long-term average ROE of the entire stock market, so across all industries, is around 14%. So 14% ROE is generally considered to be like an acceptable ratio. And then people sort of say anything less than 10% is not so good.
2: So we've got ROE under our belt. Is there another metric that you look at at all when valuing a company like Macquarie Group?
3: The other one that I used when looking at Macquarie was price to earnings ratio or PE ratio. And this is one of the most commonly used metrics when valuing companies. And basically what it is, is it calculates the company's current share price divided by the earnings per share. And you'll often see it written as P-E on companies' websites and things like that.
2: So what does this P-E give us? What does it mean? What does it tell us?
3: Yeah. So the price is like literally the company's share price at the moment. And then the E is the earnings per share. And then you've got earnings per share or often written as EPS is how much of the firm's net income, I guess, is like allotted to each share. So if you think about the big company pie, it's, I guess, how many pieces the pie needs to be cut into.
2: So for the P-E ratio, do we want it to be high, to be low? What are we talking?
3: Yes, we mentioned earlier that for ROE, it's the higher, the better. But this one is a little bit more complicated A high P.E. ratio could mean that the company's stock is overvalued or too expensive, but it also can just mean that investors are expecting high growth rates in the future because at the end of the day, if a company's share price is high, it's likely because lots of people want to invest in that company.
2: So bringing it back to a real company, Macquarie, I can see that the P.E. ratio is 18.96. Is that high or low? Yeah. So
3: again, what's important is that you look at the PE ratio in comparison to its competitors or the other companies in the industry. So the average PE ratio of the financial services sector back in August was around 7.6. So Macquarie's of 18.96 is pretty high in comparison, which
2: would suggest that the stock could be seen as overvalued. So I guess even though that looks high, it doesn't necessarily mean that the stock is overvalued because there's a bunch of other factors that come into play here and you can't necessarily look at a metric on its own. And even though some people do say stocks are expensive, it can be for other factors, e.g. expectation that that share price is going to grow further.
3: Yeah, exactly. And people have been saying for years that companies like Microsoft and Apple that the P-E ratio is way too high and yet the share price just continues to go up and up and up.
2: So I guess what I'm hearing you say is that the P-E ratio can be very helpful when you're looking at a profitable company, but you need to take into account all the other factors. It's just one metric in itself, and it doesn't necessarily determine the whole picture.
3: Yeah, that's exactly right. Now, I know that you also had a company in your portfolio that we're going to look at next, and it's a little bit different from Macquarie because this one doesn't turn a profit, but let's hear from our sponsors first.
1: Ready to pop the question?
3: So so if I've explained to you how I would value a profitable company but I know that in your portfolio you have a lot of sort of more high risk loss making companies How do you actually value a company that's not even making money yet?
2: I know it is a bit of a tricky concept to get your head around, (laughs) but I'm going to talk about a company called Megaport and sorry, this is a little bit jargony, but it is a cloud solutions company in simple terms. They're taking your data and they're putting it into the cloud for you and they do this for some of the biggest companies in the world. So there is value there. One thing to know is when you are looking at these tech companies, you'll actually often hear that they've never turned a profit. Mm. And this is mainly because they're using their cash to either reinvest into the company or they're taking loans from banks to build it up. So don't be too put off if you hear it because it can be common.
3: Yeah, I read this week that Uber has just turned a profit for the first time, which I would have (laughs) thought they'd
2: be profitable for years, but there you go. Yeah, first profit for Uber. Well done, guys. After (laughs) all, my Uber eats probably. (laughs) Yeah, I think we can both safely say we've contributed to that one.
3: So what's your first metric that you would look at for a company like this?
2: So the first metric that I tend to look at is revenue growth rate and revenue is really just kind of all the sales coming in the door. So if we take your lemonade example, <laughs> it's that 30 bucks that you've made from your first day of sales, but now I'm expanding and I'm opening two, three, four stores. Your lemonade's really good, So <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> and I need to spend even more money than what's coming in the door to actually expand. So that's the case of me not making a profit, but i am still got sales coming in, which is your revenue. So what I tend to look at is whether the revenue is growing or not, because this can often signify things like they're growing their customer base or they're expanding into different regions. So if you're seeing a consistent growth, it still means that there's substance there. It's just that they're not making the profit. So where can I find these numbers? So with a lot of public companies and even with Megaport, it's super easy to find revenue figures. I mean, they're posted every year in their annual statements. So you can literally type in 2021 revenue Megaport, it'll come up. Public companies have a lot of public information. So this year, the reported revenue for Megaport was $78.2 million, just found from a Google search, which is a 35% increase from last year found from another Google search. So it's 35% pretty good? It's a bit of a grey area, I think, especially with tech companies. You've got to look at, you know, what they're actually providing and what region they're in. This is an Australian company and there isn't always perfect comparables, but with my own risk tolerance, I personally am happy with the fact that they've grown 35% this year and they've been growing since their inception.
3: So earlier when I gave you the example of the average of the financial services sector, you know, that was a really clear apples and apples
2: comparison and you could see it's either above or below But it sounds like in this case, you can't really do that. I think it's difficult sometimes with tech companies because, you know, a tech company will have, you know, their own little niches. They'll be different in different ways. So unfortunately with this one, it's harder to make that apples for apples comparison. You can definitely look at like broader industries. You could look at the tech industry or companies that are similar, but just note that it's not going to be as clean cut. But what I did do is just have a look back, you know, a couple of years and they've had a positive increase with their revenue year on year and they're picking up big customers like Tesla so was happy with that.
3: Oh, nice.
2: Another one that you can look at is a debt to equity ratio. Right. This sounds like one that we
3: should be across because sometimes <laughs> these companies can have a lot of debt.
2: So the debt to equity ratio pretty much just measures how a company is funding its operations. So are they going to a bank and getting a loan, which is debt? Or are they raising capital from investors, which is equity? And you're just trying to understand whether or not that they can pay back their short-term debts. Because say tomorrow, they have they can't pay back any of their debts. That company is going in the bin. They're going bankrupt. So looking at the debt to equity ratio, how do you know whether they can
3: pay back their short-term debts?
2: So the Megaport debt to equity ratio is 4.3 times. So I'm going to use that in context of your Lemonade store. Nice. Okay. Lemonade- is something I can understand. <laughs> <laughs> lemonade store is still doing well and I'm opening four new stores. Oof. But for those four stores, I'm taking out a $10 loan from the bank for each of them, 40 bucks. But you're like, I still really want to help out. I'll give you $10. Okay.
3: (laughs) So you've got my $10 investment and then you've got four $10 loans
2: or 40 bucks from the bank. So pretty much all the ratio is saying is that I'm using four times the amount of debt than I am equity. And when we say equity, it's your shareholder money that you're bringing in, Mads. So that sounds like a lot. It does because you're using a lot more money from the bank, which you have to pay interest on. But I think, as we mentioned before, these metrics can't be looked at by themselves and they need to be looked at with other factors in the business.
3: So how do I know if that much debt is okay or if it's actually really bad?
2: So as we've mentioned already, you do need to be looking at other factors as well surrounding your investment and it can't just be that isolated metric. So in this example with Megaport, and we can translate it to the lemonade as well, <laughs> their debt has been reducing. That's the first thing. So, you know, year on year their debt's actually been reducing. So I I do have the four bank loans now, but last year at the lemonade store I had five, so it's good. We're going down, good direction. The other thing is I also have some cash. So we made $30 profit with the lemonade store, Megaport has some cash on their balance sheet so they still have the ability to pay things back if they need to.
3: So what I'm hearing is that it's okay for companies to have a reasonable amount of debt as long as you feel comfortable that you know their business is growing and that they've got sufficient cash in order to be actually able to pay off that
2: debt. 100% at the end of the day we all use debt at some point in our lives just to grow our investments e.g. buying a house you go to the bank for a loan so it's just making sure that you're comfortable with it.
3: So those are some of the metrics that we look at when trying to decide whether or not a company is a good investment, but we would love to know what you look for when you're investing. Jump into our Facebook group, YIGC, Investing Podcast Discussion Group. But before we go, as always, we have some recommendations for you because it is the perfect time of year to be catching up on your reading, listening, watching.
2: Summer's all about making those little habits being like, I'm going to be a big reader this year and then like gets to March like, oh, <laughs>
3: Well, speaking of habits, funny you say that because my recommendation for you today is a book called Atomic Habits by James Clear, who is an expert on habit formation. I think
2: I saw this like on my Instagram feed a lot last year, people reading this one.
3: I read it last year and it is such a good book. So I definitely want to share it with you all today. It just talks about the practical strategies for building good habits, breaking bad ones, and just mastering like those little behaviors in your life that actually lead to like really big results. So I have all these notes on my phone. I listen to the audiobook and I, I would like go for a walk and listen to it. And I just had to keep writing stuff down because I was like, <laughs> I have to remember this. So I pulled it up before we got on mic today. And one that I really liked was framing habits as like a feedback loop. So it talks about how your habits shape your identity and then your identity shapes your habits.
2: Right. And so after you read this book, have you formed any new habits? Well, one that
3: I used to be very good at, and I actually think that this book helped a lot with a phase that I went through where I was waking up really early every morning to study before work.
2: What's happened now?
3: <laughs> well, look, I've fallen off the horse a little bit. Coming out of lockdown, it's kind of thrown me a bit. I feel like <laughs> nights. <laughs> Summertime. Summertime. But I I'm gonna try and get back on this one. And the way that the book um framed it, which really helped me, was it talked about how when your alarm goes off in the morning, you have this moment where it's like a split second decision whether to get up or whether to snooze. And it's literally just that one moment in your mind, what do you decide to do? And that can change like your whole day. Like if you get up and you walk to work or you get some exercise in or you do a bit of study before work, that can really set you up for the day versus if you snooze and you stay in bed and you lounge around and then you don't sleep well because, you know, you've already woken up and you're going back to sleep, <laughs> can you tell I've been going through this a lot recently, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> then it can really impact your day. So I loved that idea of just like that split second and I literally think about it when my alarm goes off in the morning, I'm like, go, just up, just get up. <laughs> <laughs> but it
2: hasn't been happening. <laughs> it hasn't, but
3: we're going to bring it back. New habit goal for 2022 is bringing back that early morning routine.
2: We'll check in, in a couple of months, yeah. see how we're going. <laughs>
3: What about you? What are you adding to our recommendations today?
2: I am also adding a book or a couple of books, Ethan, or a person. You know what? I'm adding a person. Okay. An author? (laughs) I'm adding an author. It'd be remiss of me not to recommend Malcolm Gladwell. Mm. So a couple of his books, well, actually, a friend of mine recommended uh, one of his books, Talking to Strangers, and after reading that, I just became obsessed. The actual book I'd recommend first is Outliers.
3: Such a great book. You yeah. got me onto this one as well.
2: Yeah, I think it's honestly a book that everyone should read. But it pretty much talks about like the circumstances and the perspectives and the surroundings that make people, I guess, successful in what they're doing. So it kind of talks Some of the examples range from, you know, hockey players in Canada who make the highest league is because of – well, it's not because of, but, like, there's parts of it that are attributed to their birth date, like being born at the beginning of the year or the end of the year. It talks about uh, Bill Gates and his circumstances that allowed him to flourish in that computer scene. And it even talks about, like, some of the biggest companies in the world, like, you know, think, like, J.P. Morgan, for Mm. example, and why they're such big companies today, why no one's kind of taken over that position –
3: I think that sports story really resonated with me because I was like always, like I loved sports so much at school and I just was like never quite good enough. And <laughs> I was like, now I know why. I was born on the wrong date. That's what I'm blaming. <laughs> you were born in March. Yeah, but I was a year below. Oh,
2: you were mm. a year below at school.
3: Yep. So it's all my birthday That's why. Explains so
2: much, Matt
3: <laughs> I would like to just add a little recommendation onto your recommendation here. And that is, I listened to the audiobook of Outliers and it was amazing. They have this really cool soundtrack that they play throughout and the music is awesome. So if you're into audiobooks, maybe listen to it on audiobook.
2: Yeah, if you haven't picked up any of Malcolm Gladwell's stuff, I'd definitely recommend it this summer. They are books that have really changed my perspective and I feel like there are lessons in there that can also be applied to making investment decisions.
3: So that is what we have been reading, but we would love to hear what you are reading over this summer break. So please jump into our Facebook group, YIGC, Investing Podcast Discussion Group, and let us know.
2: Also, take a photo of where you are listening to us today. We would love to see if you're on a summer vacay or whether you're listening to us on your commute to work. Take a photo and tag us on Instagram, YIGC Podcast.
3: Today's conversation was brought to you by Superhero. Superhero allows you to buy Aussie and US shares and ETFs with no monthly account fees. And you can now earn Qantas points with Superhero. Visit superhero.com.au forward slash Qantas to learn more. Eligibility criteria, terms and conditions and fees and charges apply.
2: Next week for our final episode of our summer series, we will be talking through how we keep track of our portfolio.
0: You're In Good Company is a product of Equity Mates Media. All information in this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal or tax advice. The hosts of You're In Good Company are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional.